So today's message is from verse 8 where it says build a temple. <clears throat> and for the past 20 years in our church, uh, I, there were two, two times where I've considered whether we needed to build or not. But for various reasons, uh, we were unable to do so. And f- first of all, it's because, well, at the time, it's not that I didn't know God's timing, but... But, you know, it's not like we can uh, choose the size to, to our own size. You know, we, we, we need a size for, for Zoe ministry to gather all together, for people all over the world to come in. You know, I mean, right now, Jonah alone is here. Or, not Jonah. Um, Peter alone is here. But many people need to come in. You know, Jonah's from Mozambique uh, and, and also the missionary from, from Hatai, from, from IT. And also... Uh, it's, it wasn't. It's not easy to do this kind of ministry, and you know, as, as many people have spent time from overseas here, and so, so we we've used a lot of resources there, and, and so so at, at times I wanted to build, but 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 uh, I was unable to uh, fully commit, and but right now, uh, the reason why I'm proclaiming to proclaiming the word of Haggai is because. You know, now I feel that that the, the, the church has coming to that point of of holiness, where where for for a while there's been so many people who who are just kind of kind of just um, not yet committed fully to the church, but 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 at the same time like still here, and so now like how many numbers are we on? Like four hundred, and a lot of people have left the church, right? A lot of people have left, and. Maybe it's because I keep telling people to leave. That's why they get upset over that. But, but anyways, I'll still continue to say it. But, but as I said, um, it was so difficult getting to this point with the level of holiness, with the level of spirituality we had, and, and so and and so yet we we continue to do that. But even now. Even now, of course, the biggest reasons why we were unable to build was because we lacked the funds. We didn't have the money. And it's as simple as that. And even now, we don't have the money, but, but I want to proclaim. And because we've really received much spoil of wars through this conference. And, and really, um, even on the third day, uh, there was a brief moment of, of golden of golden dust sprinkling on on the conference and but but why was it just for a short time and it was only for a little bit i, I thought why didn't why didn't keep coming on um but i think it's because god wants to unfold unleash it at our church not not in the overseas conference and so and so here i want to unravel the the riches the riches of this blessing today amen and, so even now we're still using lots of money going outside to to various missionary works and and we we can't stop this but but we want that blessing to um, abound even more now. We were never people to gather and store up 
to do things, right? We always unleashed and let it flow. And so continually, that needs to continue. And so, so ultimately, after considering multiple things, I decided to proclaim the word of Haggai. And honestly, like right now, if we look at the buildings that we have, we have about four buildings in this area, and, and, or we're tied to four buildings in this area. And so, so, you know, we really need to pray for this to be dealt with and at the same time for a new building that, that we can move into. And even just um, moving to this new building, we've already used a lot of funds. And look at these speakers. These speakers speakers are not ours yet um, we're getting new speakers but but just using these for a little bit and it's th these aren't the speakers that we are getting but we are just using these and so anyways e as we can, as you see there's a lot of funds that we need to use and so God really needs to unleash his riches his abundance and so really I'm praying that uh, the land, at least, at the very least, the land will be um, determined very soon, at the end of Mar uh, September. Because I really don't want to spend much time in this new building that we are build that we are we are moving to right now. Uh, but anyways, we thank God, Amen, and so. Let's, let's look at Haggai. And the next week, whether I'll do chapter 2 all in one session or split it between two sessions, we'll see. But anyways, Haggai, Haggai. And as you are well aware, um, we've, we've already preached almost every single book in the Bible. But, and yet, I didn't go through Haggai just yet, right? And so... And so there's reason for that. So let's let's look at Haggai. And, and those of you who know, know that Haggai, Malachi, and Zechariah were the prophets of the generation that were getting ready to uh, return from the exile. And so Haggai and Zechariah probably prophesied around the same time. And as for Malachi, Malachi is maybe a a little bit further down in history. But. So Malachi is someone who will prophesy a little bit later. But anyways, these three are the prophets of the generation after the exile. And, and so what significance is there to be Israel at this time? But the important thing that is that after the captivity, after the exile, they came. What was important to them was that they came to know God, truly know God. They came to truly see His scale. That that the God that they served. Uh, it seemed like they were. It seemed like they were um, cursed, right? Because they're going through all these kinds of hardships. And yet, only only through the true God can that faith grow. Like, see, see, the God that they served, it seemed like they were suffering. It seemed that they were going through hardships. And yet, through that, what did they come to realize? They came to see the true identity of God, the true nature of God, and the, and, and, and the scale of God. And so, the depth and the width of God um, get, got 
greater and greater. And so that's actually how you can see if you're, you are going through the time of suffering successfully or not. Because when you go through that suffering, are you seeing God in a greater scale? Is your faith growing deeper and wider? Then you went through that time of suffering properly. But if through that time of suffering, you're just falling into despair, that's, that's, that's not the correct way to go through that time in faith. And so what you will be able to see is that as suffering goes, that's why we can say that uh, in weakness I'm strong. In my weakness I find my strength because, because through that suffering, through that hardship, what do I see? I see the scale of God. I see the true nature of God. I see who God truly is, the dimension and scale of God. And so... Now... Now, why is Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi so important is because they are prophets who show that scale, that nature of God. Now, this doesn't mean that the first generation of prophets didn't know. Of course, they knew. But but more in terms of their uh, the relationship of that scale to who they are as, as God's people. And so... And so they're continually expanding upon and going deeper into the work of the previous generation. And so, and so look, it's not just the people of Israel, but even look at the text that, that the Jews have today. Uh, the depth of their, of their, of their, uh, the depth of their, of their writings after the captivity is much at a level of deeper scale. And so, look, what does this signify? It signifies that suffering is, uh, is, is necessary. And, and I know that this isn't an easy pill to swallow because, because, you know, who wants to go through suffering? But suffering is a prerequisite to growing. And, and so we need this time of trial, this time of tribulation. And so the important thing is, is not just the suffering, but in that suffering, are you living in the Holy Spirit or not? And so in that Holy Spirit, are you receiving the word in faith? And so why do you keep getting your own strength? Why do you keep getting your own thoughts? It's because you are not living by the Holy Spirit. It's because you are not living in faith. Honestly, not normally, the more suffering you go through, the, more you're, the stronger your faith should get. But when you find your faith weakening, you find your faith weakening, that is a sign that you are not looking to God. But we need to keep looking to God. And even now, you know, we've spent all this time, right? We've spent all this time in going through suffering. And, 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 so, and so really, like... It's, it's, it's hard, right? And, and you know, the, if I look back at the past 30 years of my life, really, the, it was hard. No one acknowledged me at first. But, 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 and so look, look, whether these prophets, of course, they themselves are amazing, but, but who they prophesied to, the nation that they prophesied to, uh, the depth and the scale of their prophecy shows that, that growth. And so, uh, let's look at the historical background between, behind Haggai. After the fall of Jerusalem in BC 580, so after the fall of Jerusalem in, BC, in 580 BC, 
For after about 70 years, like, it prof like Jeremiah prophesied, uh, that they return from that captivity in Babylon. So Jeremiah is also really important from that context because Jeremiah tells us who the remnant is. Are the remnant the ones who are remaining in the land of Judea or are the remnant the ones who are taken into captivity? And so it's the remnant who are taken into captivity, right? The ones who are taken into captivity are the remnant. And so they will return from that captivity, from that exile. And so around five... Around 575, uh, 585-70, they were BC. They were taken to captivity, and and they returned around BC 530, 540. And at that time, who came? Uh, about forty thousand people with Zerubbabel and and Joshua came back. And then and then so they came in in waves, right? There was the first wave with Zerubbabel and Joshua, and the second wave, and then the third wave later with Nehemiah. But, and so as these captives are returning to Judea, around 530, 536 BCE, they, they return. And, and the moment they return, what do they do? They start to establish the foundations for the temple, right? But what happens? is that Samaria comes to interrupt them, and there's also various famines, hardships, lots of prosecutions. And then the king after Cyrus also wasn't so favorable to, Jew, to the Jews. And so though they began at first, they didn't finish the temple, right? Okay, why are you looking at me as if like this is the first time you were hearing this news? Uh, you know this history, right? Why, why are you looking at me doe-eyed as if I'm saying this for the first time? And so, so the work was was put on hold. And so it's been 16 years since since the work has been put on hold already. And Haggai. Okay, so let's look. So that's the historical background, and, and you understand what's going on, right? So this is around BC 522. 522 BC. And, and so ultimately, what is trying to say, as we're seeing in chapter 1, is, is why do the Israelites need the temple? Why do they need the temple? And that's what we want to see together today. And as I said in Psalm 68, to the Israelites, what does the temple represent to them? It represents God's throne and that God is seated on that throne and reigning over Israel. And so the temple... The temple again it, it, it comes with the same context of the kingdom of heaven and in costa rica i i, I told I, I prophesied 
or I, I preached about the kingdom of heaven. And so you can listen to this because I, I summarized it in, in Costa Rica. And remember that that this is God's um, presence. It's representative of God's presence over them. And so remember, when was the Exodus completed? The Exodus wasn't completed when they entered into Canaan. No, Exodus was completed when he when his presence came upon the temple of Solomon. <coughs> And so again, this is the important thing when it comes to um, the concept of the kingdom of heaven. And so the church, what is the church? The church isn't some kind of place for a pastor to 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 gallivant and, and, and have his his influence. No. No, the church is something that, that God reigns. It's not where I do, do something, it's not me doing something, but God reigns. So actually, what you need to do for me is, is is for me to do less and less and less. The less I do, the better this church is. <laughs> and so you know, you should be sending me to Hawaii. You should be sending me to 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 on on vacations so that I can so that I can so that I can uh, do less because the more I do, like I'm doing right now, that is a bad church. <laughs> But really, the church of God is like this. The church of God. Look at this church. Look at this church, right? This church is... We have we are a small church and yet we have so many pastors and so can can you think about the remuneration for those pastors? And yet, I'm so grateful that you don't complain about that. But look... Already we can see that, that the most important thing for the temple to the Israelites is the reign of God. And if God is reigning over the kingdom of heaven, what does that mean to the Israelites? It means that they are meeting with God. And so how fearful was the presence of God that at the Mount Sinai, the Israelites told Moses that you go see God and you uh, be our mediary, right? But in Leviticus, in Leviticus, where did God come? God enters into the tabernacle. And that's amazing, right? That, that terrifying presence that, that they could not even draw near to, that presence was inside the camp now. It came into the camp. That is the significance of that tabernacle. It is the significance of Leviticus. And so that, that kingdom, which was so fearful, so terrifying, that was far away, was now in the midst of the camp. And so... And so as the 12 tribes of Israel was surrounding the tabernacle, right? And so as they were surrounding that tabernacle, um, if God is in that tabernacle, how terrifying would that presence be to the Israelites? But, and so God is reigning over them. What does that mean? That means that they are meeting with God. Amen. And so as I preached out of the Pentateuch, honestly, if you look at the proper order, it should be Genesis, Exodus, and it should be Numbers. But instead of Numbers, what, what comes? It's Leviticus. Why? Because it's about the kingdom of heaven. It's about worship. Worship. And so even now, today, the reason why we give our lives for this worship, the reason why we sacrifice everything for this worship is because who are you? You are worshipers of God, right? And so as worshipers of God, that's what we do. And so we need this book of Leviticus, right? This book of Leviticus is so important. But anyways, 
and that's not important to us right now. What's important right now is that that what is the simple temple? The simple temple is is God's reign. And if it's God's reign is in us, what does that mean? That means that we are meeting with God. And if we are meeting with God, then the most important thing to us, if we want to meet with Him, is that we need to fear the Lord, right? We need to have this fear of the Lord. That, that he comes, he comes as it says in Isaiah, in the seven spirits and the seven spirits of the Lord. And the final one of that spirit is what is is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And so, when, what is proof that you are meeting with God? It is this fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord is evidence that you are meeting with God. And so, if you live with God. If you live with God, what is a sign of living with God? It isn't always moving forward, breaking it forward. It's not trailblazing. No, it's about stopping. It's about it's about pausing, and it's about having that fear of the Lord, that reverence for God. That is clear evidence. And so either way, ultimately, what this is about is is that God reigns. God reigns, and so and who are Israel? Israel are beings to meet with God, and if they are to meet with God, what do they need to do? They need to deal with their sins. If they don't deal with their sins, they cannot meet with God. And that's why that temple is, is necessary to the Israelites, right? Because because the temple is where they can deal with their sins, where they can deal with the sins. And so already I, what, everything that I've talked about up until now is a summary of Leviticus. And so they needed to deal with the issue of sin. And so again, it starts with God's reign. God's reign is meeting with God. Meeting with God is this king. And if you are meeting with the king what is the role of the king the role of the king is the ultimate judge right and so god judges over israel and so we if we want to receive that judge we want to meet with him and if we want to meet with him then ultimately what do we need to do we need to do with sin and who has dealt with sin for us jesus christ right jesus christ has dealt with our sins once for all and so, and so, uh, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, he received all the sins of man, and 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 on the cross he died, spilling that blood. And then, with that pure blood, he washed the heavenly tabernacles of the records of sins, giving us righteousness once for all. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and so, this sacrifice cannot be compared to. But anyways, and so, and so, why do they need the temple? It's from this context. It's this context. And so the Israelites ultimately were they meeting with God? No, they were not meeting with God. Why? Because there was no temple, because they could not deal with sin. And so the issue thing is the clear issue here is is that who are Israel? Israel are those who need to meet with God. And those who are to meet with God, then they need to deal with sins. And so that's why the temple is so important to them. Because ultimately to Israel what set them apart from the Gentiles it was this right this privilege that they could meet with God and so for us for us how about us we are new be cre we are new creation right like it says in Hebrews that I will remember your sins no more and so when we repent the power of the blood that 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 is available to us is is on a completely different level from the sacrificial system of the Israelites right it is this explosive tremendous new God uh, gospel that, that that God has given us and so we have this inspiration we have this joy of of, of that is on a completely different level from from the joy that that the Israelites experienced on the day of atonement and so this has given us everything and so whether we're able to pray well or not whether we are able to uh, to manifest signs and wonders whatever it may be it all begins with what it begins with that fact that God has justified us that he has given us this 
righteousness. And without this righteousness, can we meet with God? No, we cannot meet with God. And so without that righteousness, then then it, what is this worship? This worship is nothing. It's just a show. But with that righteousness, then this worship is true worship. With that righteousness, we are meeting with God. And in that meeting with God, we are filled with joy. We are filled with inspiration. We are filled with a wonder. And so... And so really, when I was in South America, I, I, I poured out all 20, uh, 20 years of, 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 of my, my preaching, of my preaching uh, all at once at them, this difficult te um, text, or uh, not text, these difficult sermons all at once to them, and yet they were filled with joy, they were filled with uh, faith. But look, my my sermons are not difficult actually uh, it's just we are not receiving it in faith so really in South America I was filled with joy because because they were receiving these sermons even though even though I was taking all 20 years of my previous preaching and, and condensing it to one and so look and so look they need the temple and, and so what, what about to us isn't this building good enough yes it's good enough it's good enough but the thing is, is, is that our scale needs to grow because we need headquarters for these end times for the remnant to gather. Because look, look, as coronavirus unfolded, we don't even have anywhere to gather for a thousand people, right? We don't have, we don't have anywhere, and so, and so, you know, we're spending, and then, and then, and then, and then places, uh, their, their, their cost has all gone up. Everything has gone up. So it's it's just too expensive to 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 do all this now and 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 so. And then in October, right, we're we're gathering all the people from from all over the world. Uh, we're having people coming from from America, people coming from people come people coming from. Uh, uh, Malaysia and Africa. So we need the scale. That's that's what that's what we need to see is the scale. And so, so of course, uh, the meaning to the Israelites is also applies to us. But beyond that, what do we need this temple for? We need this temple for uh, gathering place for the remnant all over the world, right? A place where we can feed and 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 shelter, you know, remnant from all over the world. A place where where a thousand people could gather, and also a place that can provide for our, our classrooms, for our, our school, for our biblical school. Right, right. We need we need, like the scale. The scale is going larger and larger, and that's what I'm proclaiming. Amen. And so let us have faith. Let us have faith. And remember, this is all about dedication. It's all about dedication. So your dedication. And so Haggai is written in four separate prophecies, right? Chapter 1. And the second prophecy is chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, 10. And the third one is 10 to... Um, 
10 to 19, and then last one is 22 to, uh, I cannot see the first number, 23. <laughs> So Haggai is separated into these four prophecies. So let's look at the first prophecy today, right? Chapter verses 1 to 15. So the timing of the prophecy and who this prophecy is directed to. And so in verse 1, what does it say? It says, in the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month, right? And so uh, I'm pretty sure that this prophecy came as first as a sermon, right? First as a sermon to Haggai. And... And so on the sixth month, right, the sixth month of the Jewish calendar, and this is a day of great significance to them. And so on this day, did Haggai purposely, whether he did purposely or not, but the sixth month, what is the first day? It is the celebration of the new moon, right? And so remember that the Israelites always had this uh, feast of the new moon, and the new moon, well, is a really important feast as we see because we saw even in Ezekiel in the millennial kingdom the only two feasts will remain and so or so and what is that it is the Sabbath and the feasts of the new moon why are we going to have the feast of the new moon what does it mean what does it what, what does it signify right what did they do on the feast of the new moon is that they would bring set Right, seven uh, lambs without blemish or two calves without blemish. But ultimately, as this new moon began, what is Israel promising to God? They are promising their devotion. They are promising their dedication. And so why in the millennial kingdom, when even though there is no sacrifice, no other celebration, no other sacrifice, why do we have the Sabbath and why do we have uh, the, the, the feast of the new moon? It's because this new moon is once again uh, that that dedication to God. It is it is that sign of that dedication to God. And and what does this dedication represent? It represents this uh, relationship, right? This 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 um, this fellowship. And so. Who is this? Who are those who are who are who are um, having this fellowship with God? Is it the smart ones? Is it the intelligent ones? Is it the rich ones? Is it the good-looking ones? No, it is the dedicated ones, the ones who have this devotion to God. And so, 
why does the world hate us? Because when we are dedicated to God, when we are devoted to God, how can we uh, be the same as the world? And so because we are not same with the world, because our devotion is to God, of course we cannot receive the world. Of course we cannot be influenced by the world. That 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 is that is an impossibility. We cannot be stained by the world. That that's the word I've been looking for for several years. Stained. So this dedication, right, and this devotion is it's not just, it's not about like, oh, I dedicate to you, oh, I, I pledge allegiance to you. No, no, it's about fellowship. It's about relationship. It's talking about your relationship to God. It's talking about this having fellowship to God, right? What does God say to Moses during the Exodus? Where he says that, he says, God says to Moses that I'll give you, send you to Canaan. I will, I will let deliver the people to into your hands, but I will not go with you. And what does, what does God say? God says, or what does Moses say? Moses says that if you do not go, I will not go. And, and this is what devotion is all about. This is devotion, right? God is, is is looking for that devotion. He's not He's not looking for good people. He's looking for this devotion. He's looking for this dedication. That's what he's looking for. Right? And so to you, ultimately. It's all about your relationship to God. That should be your utmost priority. That should be everything that's most important to you. But look at the world today. The world doesn't care about their relationship to God. They care about their relationship with other people, right? They care about their relationship to other people. They care about their relationship with their significant other more than anything. And and so that and so if your relationship to God is 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 broken down, then you should you should be concerned with that more than anything else, right? That that is what it should be. And so the fact that this prophecy was proclaimed on this first day, what is this prophecy proclaiming? This prophecy is proclaiming what? The rebuilding of the temple. Why is this this why what is the significance of this timing? Is that that what is necessary for this building of the temple is their dedication, is their devotion. It's not money, it's not that, it's, it's this devotion and this dedication to God. That this is where where the strength to build that, that temple is going to come up. And so if you feel burdened about about money then then that that's proof of the lack of of faith right that's the proof of the lack of faith ultimately it's not that fear that that should be uh, that should concern you but rather that that devotion that dedication do you have that relationship and so on that first day of the sixth month they he proclaims the building of the temple which is dedication devotion And then so now, who is he right? Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to Zerubbabel. And who is Zerubbabel? BC 5887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887887
so there are many people who have concerned themselves with this. Why does he only show up in the historical records very short? But anyways, we don't we don't really need to go too deep into this. But anyways, Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, who is he? He is the descendant of the king. What does Zerubbabel mean? It means that he was born in Babylon. Right? Right? And so... So that, that's basically what that name means, right? Is that he was born in Babylon. Who's next? J Joshua. Who is J Joshua? Joshua is now the high priest, right? And so he is the priest in, in the Levitical order, right? And so all these priests come from, and the high priest comes from specific, not just any Levi, but from what family? From the Aaronic line, right? Right. Uh, Aaron line to and more specifically of the house of Zadok, 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 Zadok. But anyways, and please pray for uh, the the doctorate candidates who are studying right now. Uh, they need a lot of help. Uh, please pray for them a lot. Uh, Judy, uh, she's having hyperthyroidism. Uh, early onset hyperthyroidism and so please pray for that but anyways anyways and so okay and so verse 2 what does let's move on to verse 2 it says why are you putting off the work and so verse 2 uh, thus says the Lord of hosts these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord and then so, you know, they ask, he asked, why do you not build? And they say, it is not yet time. And so why do you think the Israelites said, said this? It's because uh, it depends on when you count the time of captivity. And so... They're not just considering just the time of the prophecy of Jeremiah, but also the prophecy of Cyrus. And so, when was that? B5. Five thirty-six, right? BCE. He 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 says to go back, and so that's the time that should be. Uh, that they should have and so if you use that as the standard then around 520 right 520 but if you say 565 and so if you say that it's 565, then they are they all still have another four years for that 70 years to be fulfilled. But does that mean that all of that 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 they are doing this because they calculated wrong? No, that's not it. The problem is is that they did not have that heart that yearned for God and expectation 
for to see what God's doing, right? They, they are so pressured by the realities of their circumstances, that the famine that's going on, the various natural disasters that happened in Judea. And, and so these pressures are, are causing them to lose sight of God and losing sight of, of, what, uh, of their hope in God. And so what is being pointed out here is, is that the, this problem, the problem that, that it's not that they calculate the time wrong. No, this is wrong. No, but rather that they do not have the confidence and yearning and, and, and hope for the promise of God. Because even when they first came from captivity, they, they right away started building the temple. But they did. They, what was the problem is that they stopped. They stopped. And so Haggai is prophesying, why did they stop? And why did they stop? Because they lacked faith. And if, and if you lack faith, then ultimately you're going to keep looking at your circumstances. You're going to look at your realities around you. And that's, that's, that's the case, right? Do you not see it in your own life is that when you lack faith you're always looking at your circumstances you're always looking at at what's going on around you right when you have faith you are not looking at your circumstances you are looking to god's will and as long as god's will is there there's no problem no matter your circumstances and you've seen this in our church for the past 20 years right god has given us more than enough has uh, and and it, but whenever we started, did, did God like provide everything before and then said to do it? No, without having anything, without even having plans. Sometimes God just proclaims and then and then and then it unfolds. And so, ultimately, it's about faith. And so, because you live by faith, that life is glorified, right? And so, ultimately, what is going to be the standard of your life is faith, faith. Maybe you may have good plans. Maybe you, you're good at making your plans come to fruition. That is not where glory is going to be found. Glory is found in faith. At the end of your life, what is going to be counted to you is faith. Faith. Right? What did Paul say at the end of his life? He said that I have kept the faith and I have run the race. And so, and I have finished this race of faith. And, and so, Paul didn't say that, oh, I, 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 I worked hard. I planned this well. And I went according to my plans. No. No, he said that I ran this a race of faith, right? And so ultimately the standard at the end is going to be what? Faith. Faith. And so we need to live by faith. And so the fact that they stopped building was because of their lack of faith. And look at our church. There are many reasons why we were unable to build, but ultimately what is it? It's that we lacked faith. This is where we need to repent. Amen? And so let's continue. And so don't you think that this sermon is going to end really quickly today? Right? It's going to end quickly today. But since you all didn't say amen, I guess I don't have to end quickly. And so thank you for not saying amen. And so let's look at verse 3 to 12. So verse 3 and 4. And so what is Haggai saying? He's saying that, that this should not be. It should not be the case that they stopped uh, building the temple. Right? The moment they returned, they started building the temple. And yet they stopped. And there were many reasons for that. But ultimately, ultimately it's because of this lack of faith. And so even up until the point... Right, you cannot use your circumstances as an excuse. That's what, that's what, that's what Haggai is saying here. And so verse 3. Uh, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And so Haggai isn't trying to express his thoughts. No, the word of God came upon him. 
the word came to Haggai how God is looking at this circumstance where they are not finishing the temple. And so, right, what are the prophets? The prophets receive this burden when the word of God comes upon them. It's this massa, and they need to loosen that burden. And so, this situation that's going on, this situation that's around them, Haggai may, is not in the place, is not in the circumstances to say to build the temple, right? Right, think about think about the work of building temples, right? And even when you go to Jerusalem, you've seen the the rocks that that they use to build the wall, right? Right there, there, there are several thousands, tons, oh, and 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 so how how are people going to move that? I mean, in these days, in these modern days, of course, we can use, you know, we can use cranes and various technology like that, but but. But it's not the same case back at the time. And so, and so man like Haggai, he's not someone who can just simply say that, oh, hey, build the temple. No. And so the fact that he's saying that, it requires a lot of faith. And it's the same to me. I know that you don't have money. And, and, and so do you know how much faith it takes for me to proclaim the building of, this, of, of, of our temple? And so, so whether it was Haggai or me, right, it's, it's the same burden, right? I know there's no money to be found here, right? There's no money to be found here. Now, of course, I, I fished a couple thousand here and there, but... And I'm grateful for at least that, but... And so, Haggai isn't just isn't just saying, "Oh, the word of the Lord came upon him." No, no. That, that this command came to Haggai, and it became a burden to Haggai, and Haggai had to lay this burden down. Why did I begin missions to the world? Why did I go to Costa Rica? Is it because? It, it, is it because I want to run away from you? No. It's because of the burden of the word of God that, that, that came upon me. And so, you know, in Costa Rica, I, I unleashed the word of First John and, and it, became, it, it was such a relief to me. And then in Honduras, Habakkuk, and, 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 and loosening that burden became such a relief. And so... And so look, you need to understand this about pastors, that, 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 that the word is a burden, it's something that they need to lay down. But anyways, and so whether, and so anyways, and so verse 4, is it a time for you, you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? This will connect to everything else in, in the rest of the passage. but And so the house lies in ruins, right? They're talking about that first temple of Solomon, right? The first temple was destroyed. And, right, when Nebuchadnezzar came, he, 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 he completely destroyed the temple, right? 
and the people are seeing the ruins of that temple, right, every day. And as they see that, can you imagine the the heartbreak? Because because I told you, right, what does the temple symbolize to the Israelites? It, it symbolizes God's reign and God's presence, and also the fact that it lies in ruins. What does that symbolize? It symbolizes their captivity. It symbolizes the loss of their nation. And so again. Israel. Well, who is Israel? Israel has this identity of meeting with God and and, and 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 being able to deal with the issue of sin. And so ultimately, what what does that symbolize? It symbolizes them as a holy nation. And so as a holy nation, that is what sets them apart, right? Is that they are holy. And so without that holiness, they are, they, there is nothing that sets them apart, that there is no difference. It's the same thing to us. Without holiness, we are nothing. Without holiness, we 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 have no significance, right? And so, so this is really important. You know? And so again, it's about your identity, it's your being. And so, as they see these ruins, the the Israelites they they probably would have been heartbroken. And yet, even though they were heartbroken, what what do we see? They dwell in their own paneled houses. Instead of having this desire to 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 fix these ruins. First, they built their own houses. What does it mean by paneled houses? It means that they are living in 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 comfort. They are, they are. Right. Remember the circumstances. The circumstances is is that that there's poverty in the land, right? There's hardships. And and so if they were living in like like a lean-to or, or a makeshift shelter, then of course he's not going to condemn them for that. But yet, what is he saying? He's saying that they're living in their paneled homes. And, and even in the times of this hardship, they're living in these nice homes. That's what, that's what Haggai is pointing out. So if they were living in a shack, right, then, then that's not something to scold them, right? But, but why is Haggai scolding them? Again, as I said. And ultimately, whether they live in a shack or whether they live in a mansion, ultimately what Haggai is pointing out is not this, but the fact that that they dealt with their own issues before dealing with their heart that should have this desire for the kingdom of God, for God's presence. And so remember, one of the re reasons why we didn't build the temple is because rather than this outside temple, we needed to build the inside temple, right? That, that was one thing that, that we pointed out a couple years ago. That now is not the time to build an outside temple, but the temple inside of us. That that God who has this reign all over the world is also within me, right? And so God who determines the history of man from his throne in heaven is also in me. His throne is also in me. And so one thing that we were doing was to restore that faith and restore that identity. And that's what we've been doing. But ultimately... What this, how we can interpret this is, is, is that, is that instead of trying to deal with this uh, inside, inner, inner house of God, our inner attitudes towards God, we were always looking for our fleshly things, for our survival, for my own benefit. That these kinds of things were the first things that we were looking at, uh, my comfort, my happiness. Right? Someone who has a hundred thousand dollars.
then he's going to live by that $100,000, right? If someone has a million, he's going to live by that million. But, and so, so what is this pointing out? This pointing is not pointing out that, that they are living in paneled homes while God's temple is in ruins. No. It's po- pointing out the heart, their heart that, that isn't looking to the kingdom of heaven, but looking for, out for their own gain first, for their own things first. So what is moving you? What is driving you? What is is stimulating you? What is eliciting response out of you? That's what you need to see. What strength is moving you when you speak? What strength is moving you when you have relationships with people? What strength is moving you? That's what needs to be seen. And so that's why Habakkuk is talking about those, those evil desires. The root of, those, of all evil desires are those five things, right? And so when you are able to see what moving you is, what's going to allow you to repent of those five things? And so what is righteousness? Righteousness isn't, oh, I built 10 and you've built 11, so you're more righteous than me. No, that's not righteousness. It's, it's your relationship to God. In your relationship to God. And so standing before God. Who are you before God? That is righteousness. What is it that God is pleased with? What is it that God acknowledges? And so to the Israelites, in, in, in light of this, the temple should have been more important than their life itself. And so look, when it comes to our church, we have never been a church to look out for our own needs first. Right? And even now, as this time of famine is coming on, what is God asking of us? Is He's asking us to focus on, on, on the world outside. Right? And so we are not trying to build for us. Again, I'm not trying to build a new temple for our own benefit, for our own happiness, for our own satisfaction. No, why are we building? We are building not for us, but because of the remnant all over the world. So that, the, so that we can bring life to, to all over the world. That's the meaning. Because ultimately, if it was just for us, we are more than... We are more than um, satisfied we are more than satisfied with what we have and so you understand what he means when he's talking about these paneled houses he's not talking about that situation where they're living in nice houses or and it'd be okay if they were living in bad houses no it's talking about the spiritual state. Ultimately, do not try to interpret the word of God and 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 God's God's um, kingdom through through your own eyes, through your own perspective. No. And so let's look at move on to verse five to six. And so because because they were not living because their spiritual reality was that they were looking for the flesh, right? That's what we'll see. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. 
And so this word will be repeated. Look, in verse 7, it says, again, consider your ways. And Haggai likes to use this very much. So what does it mean, consider your ways? It's talking about the path that you continue to go down habitually. And so these paths that have been formulated out of your habits, that's what it's talking about when it says, consider your ways. That habitually you've been living this fleshly life, and so this fleshly life has, this fleshly living has, has taken a seat over your heart. And so again, he's not pointing out the circumstances. There's circumstances that, oh, because of the famine, because of the hardships, that, that it's understandable that they are not building the temple. No, he's pointing out their spiritual reality that because over time they've been continually looking for the flesh. Over time, they've been continually considering their things, their fleshly reality above the promise of God. And so instead of being... Um, Instead of being uh, for others, they're always being selfish, selfish, selfish. And because of this life, that's why he's saying, consider your ways. That, that the house lies in ruins because of this, because of this habitual things. Because they're constantly uh, putting priority on their flesh, putting priority on their flesh. And so, so the, 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 the soil that is paved into a road, what is that? It's a road that's been, it's, it's, it's ground that has been packed together so that, so that nothing can penetrate. So the seed has no, no space. What is the seed? The word of God to, to, to penetrate. That is the paved road. And so what is this paved road? Be habitually, continually looking for the flesh. Habitually, and so you are building this road. And so that's why I like this. Consider your ways. And so, if you do not every day um, till the soil of your heart through the Word of God, then the, then the flesh is going to once again come up and once again pack down the, the soil of your heart into a road. And so, for not even a single moment, let that flesh uh, uh, come up. So if you do not deny yourself daily and follow Him, pick up your cross and follow Him, then you will, uh, that that flesh will come up and will pack. And so that's why it says uh, that to die every day. And so, and as it says in First John, or in Romans, that if you live by the flesh, you will die, right? You will die. And this is, the ultimate uh, truth that that there is no one, no one who can say that oh I can I can be the exception. No, there is no one who can who who can be an exception to to this principle. If you have met with God properly, then then what is the characteristic that you will see in that person is that they will humble themselves beyond all things bef before God, and yet their glory, their 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 um, their um, self-esteem will also go up to the heavens. And so again, so again, what are we seeing here? What is why he's saying that consider your ways because once again is pointing out. 
their their spiritual state because they've lived continually looking for the flesh that's why this flesh has taken over and so if you cannot pray do not do not take this lightly the the fact that you are unable to pray isn't isn't something that happened all of a sudden but rather it's been building up over time because you've been living by the flesh over time over time and as the result of that over time you're unable to pray and so when you find that you know you got to take any measure available to you to to break through whether it's fasting or 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 whatever devotion whatever it is you need to be able to break through There is no excuse, All, uh, whether it's exhaustion or, or circumstances, it's not an excuse to coming before God. So verse 6, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he, and he who earned wages does so to put them into a bag of with holes. And so their spiritual state right now is this is ultimately the reality of, of their life, right? That, but look look today. Right? Or no, sorry, one moment. And so, you know, uh, this is the reality of going on. Everyone is having a hard time, right? That, 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 that they sow, but they cannot, they do not harvest much. They eat, but because they harvest little, there's, nothing, there's not enough, right? And so, and so this is a circumstance where, where that's the, that might be their excuse. But what is Haggai saying? Haggai is saying is that this is not an excuse. This is actually not the thing that these circumstances, this situation is, is, does, is not for you, is not what defines you, right? What is Israel? Israel is not living by the reality of the world, but by, by the promise of God. And you've seen this coronavirus. During the coronavirus, when, when, when everywhere else had to, cut, uh, had to tighten their belts, what did we do? We, we got twice as much money as, uh, as normal. And so th this, is, this cannot be an excuse because it only applies to the world. It's not Israel. Israel lives by what? Not by what they have, but by what? But by faith. As the holy people of God, then they live by what God gives, right? And so what does uh, Zephaniah say? Zephaniah says that, that, that your, what you eat, what you drink is, will be provided by who? By God, right? And so why is it a curse? Because it's that they are not living by their identity as Israel because God, they are not living by God. It isn't their circumstances. Their circumstances isn't what's causing their curse. If that is the case, then why live by God? Why not live by the world? Oh, pastor, pastor, we're having such hard times. And yet, why are you saying that we need to use more money, right? No. Why, when, when it's hard for me to survive, are you, are you inviting people from all over the world if you thought this, repent? 
I mean, honestly, you don't blame people if to think that way. And they can, but and so really, I, I'm very grateful that that this is my church that I am pastoring over you. This is my privilege. But really, what is the church? It's about who the church is, who Israel is, right? But the problem is, is that they are living by the flesh. It's because they're living by the flesh that they're letting that curse define them. The, so biblically speaking, those who live by God, they do not worry about what they eat and drink. That is not what causes their suffering, right? That suffering doesn't define them. Because of that suffering, they are not going to cling to the world. No, the Bible doesn't describe people of God in that way, right? They do not cling to the world beg, uh, as if they have to beg for, what they, for their survival. No. Even in the face of suffering, in the face of hardships, we are happy. Not because of the suffering itself, but because of what? But because of the promise, because of the promise of God. So up until this point, it's been hard to tell the difference between who truly believe and who doesn't. But soon, the time will come where we'll separate the goats from the lamb. Where, where, where those who are pretending to be true, those who are pretending to be sincere, those who are pretending to be dedicated will soon be revealed. So what do we need to see? What is the standard that the world, that the word lays out? What is the standard that God requires? It's not about what the world can do for us. It's not about the realities of the world, the circumstances of the world. No, that's not, that should not figure into your calculations. Remember that the more you know the world, the more tragedy it is. It's about God. As it says in Hosea, right? Let us know the Lord. Let us press on to know the Lord. And soon the, the, the true and, and, and the false will be revealed, clearly revealed. And so, let's continue. Verse 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Again, he says this again, consider your ways. And so again, when it's being repeated, it's emphasizing, it's emphasizing the hardship of the heart. And then verse 8, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. So think for, to yourselves, is this good thing or bad thing? <coughs> and there are a couple things that you need to factor in. Because, look, when the first temple was built, what wood did they use when they were building that temple? Right, the cedars of Lebanon. And so the temple of God was built with the best things around them. Now, this doesn't mean that, oh, you need to use the best material when we build our church. No. But what we're saying is that we offer our best to God, right? And during the time of Solomon, what was the best things that they could offer? It was the cedars of Lebanon. But now, but now what is Haggai saying? Haggai is saying is, is, go up to the hills and bring wood. And this wood is not the same thing as the cedars of Lebanon, right? 
And so uh, after the ruins of the kingdom of Judah, uh, there are probably lots of wild plants growing in the region, right? So, but and so, what is God saying that? Hey, I know that you're poor, and so at least this this will be more than good enough. You might think that way, right? But that's not what God is trying to talk about here. Rather, what we need to see is God's heart that is broken. That their faith is that they are lacking so much faith. Right? That's what we need to see. Because if God desired, He could bring those cedars of Lebanon to them, right? Right? He could move Darius to, to provide all the materials, right? That's who our God is. is. Is that not the case? Do you not believe? Right? Cannot God move, move them as long as what? As long as Israel had faith. And look at the book of Nehemiah, right? When he establishes the foundations, what does he do? He goes to Artaxerxes, right? And who is Artaxerxes? Artaxerxes is an enemy of the Jews. And yet, Artaxerxes was moved by God to provide what? To provide everything that Nehemiah needed. And so what did God use to move the heart of Artaxerxes? It was the faith of Nehemiah. And so when we see God saying to the Israelites that go into the hills and gather wood to build, what we need to see isn't God settling or God God uh, doing that, but rather the heart of God that is broken at the lack of faith of his people. Understand what, he, what I'm trying to say? And so what you need to see in, in the heart of God is that he is not pleased right now. His heart is broken. His heart is breaking for the circumstances of his people, for the state of his people. He's, saying, he's not acknowledging the hardship of their circumstances. No, that's not the scale of our God. Our God is, as his heart is breaking for the people of Israel, for their lack of faith. And so how does this apply to us? When I say we need uh, chonok, I don't know the number chonok, 100 million. What should you say? You should say, oh God, or pastor, is that enough? We need 200 million. That's what you should say, right? That is the scale of God. But one thing that I'm grateful is that I know that my scale is big, and, and I know that you are trying to, f and you have followed well after my scale. I, I, I know that it's not easy at times, but, but anyways, but let's look at the heart of God and the heart of the prophet Haggai here. He is not surrendering to their circumstances. He is not acknowledging their circumstances. Rather, his heart is breaking because of their lack of faith. And so let us have faith that pleases God. Amen. Right, God, right? What does he say to us? He says, you have God's faith. And so all of our doubt, all of the standards of the world, let's gather this up and cast it away. Then we'll have that true faith. And so... Why am I saying that a new season is upon us? Because there was a glory that I have never tasted before in this conference. And, and, and because I've lived with this, 
um, fellowship of I abide in you and you abide in me for the past 30 years. But the proof of that was was that the presence of God coming and, and then him moving. And so, and so God always worked in that way up until this point. But in this conference, that's not what the case was. I did not think anything. And I didn't even feel anything. And yet, I just opened my mouth and it would happen. And that's why I say that this is a new season. Because all I had to do was open my mouth. I just opened my mouth and said, hey, this person come. This person come. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to plan. I just opened my mouth. And so just... You know, uh, this person came out who, who had only 26% of his heart working properly. And so so he could not run and, and, and he could barely walk. And I just told him to run and, and because I just opened my mouth. And, and and so when I saw, I, and God showed me that, that, that this is how he was working. And so that's why I proclaim to you that a new season is upon us. And so really, we need that. Um, we want our church to rise up to be models of that glorification. So let us go to that glorification. Enter into the Sabbath rest of faith. Amen. And so in this relationship of I abide in you and you abide in me, God just uses me as a channel of that faith. I had no thoughts. I had no feelings. I had no plan. I, hadn't, I didn't even see anything. I just opened my mouth and spoke. And so again, I I, I said this, uh, I told you this vision earlier as we began this sermon. And and again, it's not as if I thought of this, but just the the presence of God came and and just opened my mouth and and I just spoke. And and so that's what I mean when I say that a new season upon us, a new season is upon us. And so for the past 24 years, we, we really worked hard to live by God's presence, by God's will, right? And though we have nothing to boast, and yet we did try. We, we, we made every effort to, to live by God, amen? And, and I think God is acknowledging that time, your sacrifice. And so this new season is upon us. And so expect great things, amen? And God is going to unleash this blessing. And so because of this, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not as spent as I used to be. Really, I'm, I'm so happy, so happy. And so this interpretation of verse 8, is God truly taking pleasure in it that he was glorified? No, like we need to see the scale of God, right? The scale of God. And so... So verse 9 to 11. And so verse 9-11, because of this reason, because of this tra- this uh, heart of God that is displeased, this curse is spoken. So he's pointing out their unbelief and their fleshly habits. And so it's not because this suffering is there that they live this way. No, rather because they lived by this faith that they're going through this kind of suffering. And so we are not sinners because we sin. No, we are sin- we sin because we are sinners. 
And so look at the standard of God and the standard of God says to Israel who they are. And, and so that's what they should see, but not not that oh because look at the circumstances that hey we don't have money to get cedars from lebanon we we just need to get uh wood from the hills no if we are to live by the standards of the world of the circumstances around us why believe in god believe in what the whatever the world believes right and so look at what is important look at the heart of things where is your heart where does your heart lie and so even now, look at you. If you are living in a self-centered, uh, what is going to always come up to you is that you're blaming things, blaming things, blaming circumstances, blaming people. That's uh, because of this. It's because of this person, because of that person. It's because of my father. It's because of my family. It's because of my wife. It's because of my husband. It's because of my children. These kinds of things. No, ultimately, that's not what we should factor in. We That's not the f standard for our life. It's about what? It's about where is the will of God? What is God's word? That is ultimately what we give our lives for. And that is what should separate you from the world. And so that's why the Bible says to not worry. It doesn't say that do not worry because no, no, no concerns is going to come to you. No fear is going to come to you. No, it says do not worry because that is not your standard. That is not your standard. Our standard is God, God alone. And so that's where our standard needs to be, is in the Word of God. And so no matter how the world goes no matter what the work trending in the world that should have nothing to do with you it should you should just let it go by our happiness is not determined by the standards of the world we live by the kingdom of heaven right not by the kingdom of this world and so that's the faith you need to have. Without this faith, it's impossible to live with God. And so let's continue. Verse 9. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Because, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. And so see, look, they are, they are looking for their fleshly things. They are living in their self-standard, selfish ways. And so, so, of course, their life cannot unfold. And so look carefully, look carefully. Our church really needs to enter into the Sabbath rest of faith. For the past 24 years with me, we have been continually seeing the standard and we are seeing where God, God's standard is. And so now it's time for us to really embody that. And so... And so in this time of darkness, maybe maybe there'll be martyrs, maybe there'll be those who will fight until the very end. Whatever the standard is, ultimately we need to be able to go down that path that God lays for us. And so what are we looking for? We're looking for holiness, holiness, holiness. Like it says in Zechariah 5, that there is going to be greater glory than the glory that was manifest during the early church. And so that glory is, at, we are on the cusp of that glory. And so, so let us look to that glory. Amen. And verse 10 is also the same thing. And so, therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. So there's all this kind of famine. There's all these uh, natural disasters. And so all of these things is not the reason why you should live that way. Rather, because of your fleshly living, this fleshly living has stored up, stored up so that the curse of God would rest upon them. And so I went to Costa Rica. And... Uh, the forecast was that it would rain throughout the entire week. And 
and the first two days it was raining a lot raining a lot and so it, it was so much rain that it was cold but who are we who are we that, and so we ministered and and ever since that day uh, the sun shone brightly just every now and then little bits of rain but and the reason why there was still little remnants of rain was because those rain clouds were on their way running away but but see look God wherever we go he acknowledges that we have that authority over nature amen and so I was so grateful that God showed that in Costa Rica and so in Costa Rica we had very refreshing weather but then when we went to Honduras, it was like 32 degrees Celsius. And so Honduras was really hot. But but anyways, and so so like 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 I said, these natural disasters is not should not be the standard. Right? Why does the creation groan? Because for for the sons of God to be revealed. And so and so creation is groaning for what is groaning for us to be revealed amen and that's 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 what we need to see and so verse 11 same thing and i have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain the new wine the oil on what the ground brings forth all of these things have run dry like the prophecy of joel right that because the word of god has run dry the blessing of the earth has also run dry so again, what we need to see is about your relationship with God, the Word of God to you. And so, and so it is this relationship with the Word of God that reigns over their lives, not, not the circumstances of the world. And this is the faith that must be clear to you. That, oh, I live this way because of the, because of the circumstances of the world. No. No. No, it's not about your circumstances. It's not about your conditions. That's, we need to respond to the truth. Right, Yerban Church, we've never lived by our circumstances. If we were to live by our circumstances, we could not have done what we've done up to this point, right? Our history would not have been possible. How could we go throughout the world if we, are, if we live by the world? No, it's because we did not acknowledge that. And we could not acknowledge that. And reality does not acknowledge us. That is not the truth. We do not acknowledge those things. No, we acknowledge only victory only victory even when we are defeated we do not acknowledge that defeat right we we know that god ultimately has the victory and so why acknowledge defeat there is no defeat because we are more than conquerors we are more than conquerors and so the righteous even if they were to fall seven times they get back up amen And then so verse 12 to 15 talks about the obedience, right? And so we're almost finished. Oh, I thought we finished quickly, but it's already 5 o'clock. <laughs> and so let's look at them being obedient to the Word of God. So verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. 
And so they obeyed, right? They obeyed. And so Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant of the people obeyed the words of Haggai the prophet. They obeyed the words of God. And so remember, this is the basics of who Israel is. Who is Israel? Israel is Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel. And this word hear also comes with the context, the connotation of obedience, right? And so, once again, obey, obey. And the word of God, we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so they heard uh, the voice of God. And really, this is not insignificant. The fact that they heard and obeyed, what does this mean? Does that mean that their circumstances changed? No, their circumstances are still poverty. There's still hardships. There's still this famine. There's still these natural disasters going on. There's still the threat of attack from the Samaria. There's still the threats of, of bandits and raiding. And yet, in these circumstances, what did the Israelites just Side. They decide to obey the word of God. That even though the circumstances didn't change, they understand that it's the word of God that is their standard. That's what they are accepting. And as they accept that, that transforms their circumstances. Even though it's still the same, it completely transforms them. That is the power of faith. Amen? This is really important. And so, oh, it's because of my circumstances like this that I cannot do that. Oh, it's because of my circumstances here that I cannot dedicate it to the church. No, that is all a lie. It is not your circumstances. Oh, it's because of this, it's because of that. No. What is faith? Faith transcends circumstances, transcends all of your conditions, all of your atmosphere. Right, even we we've seen many of these. Right, even when Enoch, during Enoch's death, right, it was a time of great tragedy, and yet, yet faith what allowed us to what rejoice even in that great tragedy. And so, no matter the hardships, no matter what kind of difficulty may come, the moment you receive faith, the moment you hold on to faith, weakness becomes your strength. Weakness becomes your strength. As it says in 2 Corinthians, this gospel of victory, that is what I bless you, in that, that, that they heard the word of God. They heard the word of God. They uh, It flips their circumstances upside down. And so ultimately, what is this? What is this? That even in the midst of that defeat, when they respond in faith, though their circumstances do not change, they now have victory. And that's the faith you need to have. Now, it doesn't mean that their circumstances completely change. But if you submit to your circumstances, then what is that? That is defeat. Defeat. So, look, this is victory. This is true victory. This is our God. Our God has this kind of, of power that, that as long as we have faith, that faith can turn whatever our circumstances may be upside down. Okay, and so it's not our circumstances. We are not thrown to, thrown to and fro by our circumstances. It's about our faith. And, and they didn't just receive these words in faith. How were they able to receive the words in faith? That's what we'll see here. 
is as the Lord their God had sent him. And so what does that mean? That means they acknowledge that God has sent them Haggai. That's what we saw in also in 2 Corinthians, right? That they are acknowledging uh, me. And so it's the same thing with, with, with your relationship to me. Am I just a man that is speaking to you good words, speaking to you my research, my, my understanding? No. Right. What? Why is uh, the Romans able to go into that glorification? Because the words of Paul are whose words? They are God's words, right? And and so they are not receiving Haggai because he's a good speaker, because because he is he is uh, a good prophet. No, but rather because he has been sent by God. I said the same thing to the Central Americans. That are you uh, the leader who is going to, who, who, who God has set apart for this day and age? Then, then live out that faith. But are you those who are to follow someone like me? Then, then follow my words and receive my words as the words of God. If not, then you go your own way. I said this to, to the Latin Americans. But if, if you uh, accept me, as that as that leader then 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 receive these words as the words of God and so when I said uh, start 24 hour intercession prayer they those who receive they are praying they, they have started already the teams for 24 hour prayer many of them couldn't even pray in tongues and and already the these the this anointing of tongues is spreading out upon them it's be, why it's not because they are seeing me as a man but they are acknowledging that I have been sent by God it's not because of my fame it's not because of my reputation it's not because of me no no, it's am I being sent by God? Because they acknowledge that. Are they acknowledging that I have sent by God? It's not, oh, because you speak well, oh, you are so eloquent, oh, you are so good looking. No. Now, of course, I am good looking, but no, that's not the requisite. Is God sent me? Did God sent me? And so if you receive that, then what is your attitude going to be? It's going to be one of reverence. It's going to be one of fear, right? Because when you receive God, what, what, what comes to you is that reverence, right? Because what is reverence proof of is evidence of you meeting with God. Why do you lose reverence? It's because you're living by your flesh, because you are filled with unbelief and the world. As you live with that world and unbelief, as you live by that flesh, you lose reverence. Reverence. But what is reverence? Reverence means that you do not live by your circumstances. You do not live by your methods. You do not live by your strength. It's impossible for you to live by your strength. It's about God's word and God's presence. That without God's word, without God's presence, I cannot do a thing. I cannot move a finger. But when his presence is there, I can do anything. It's not about me deciding, but that's what reverence is. And reverence isn't, isn't ab um, ambiguous. No, it's, it's real. It's, it's real. It's solid. It's something that you can touch. What is this, what is this reverence? It is power, right? right? It, talks about, it talks about wisdom and understanding and also, um, also self-control, right? Self-control. What is self-control? Self-control isn't being able to uh, uh, just discipline yourself. But what is true self-control that this is talking about? It is about it is the ability, like a good a, a good captain, being able to 
uh, guide his ship into harbor during the storm. That is what that is what this self-control is eliciting, right? Knowing when to stop, knowing when to go with the wave, knowing when to be able to adjust and move that rudder so that you can steer that ship home. That is that is that is self-control. Being able to self-control even like your emotions, knowing when to move, when to have that. Let's say you are rushed, and, and, and you are you are rushed for time. You are pressed for time, and you need to move, but that isn't evident in your uh, in your uh, life, right? That is self-control, and that's what that is an important uh, requirement to leaders is the ability to have self-control. And so, anyways, but anyways, and so this is proof of their reverence that they received Haggai as being sent by God. And so, when you receive this, what's going to happen is that first of all, you have this uh, uh, repentance, right? This 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 um, contrite heart, and and out of that contrite heart, what does it lead to? It leads to joy of reverence, right? So, anyways, let's continue. Verse thirteen. And so Haggai was sent by God, was the messenger of the Lord, and so that's what Haggai was describing. Verse thirteen. That then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, and so they believed that Haggai was sent, and what and and he was sent as what sent as a messenger of God, as as a spokesperson, right? As a spokesperson, another word for that is an, is an apostle, right? It's the same word that that the Septuagint uses is is the word for apostle. Not not. Anyways, that's a Korean joke. It only works in Korea. Uh, the word for messenger and angel in Korean is haja, which can also mean lion. And so that's the joke that he made. But anyways. And so the messenger of Lord, right, means that he is a steward of God. And, and so he's using this word. And so what does First John say is that they are seeing the word of life and continually to see the word of God. And that person will what? Be a witness, right? A witness. And because if they because they see that because they are witnesses, they are witness to the point of death, right? And angelu, right, means that they proclaim, proclaim. And so when you proclaim, what does that mean? That means that the word of God is there. And when and because this is the word of God, if you do not live by this way, you will die. And so so it's just proclamation. It's not about persuasion. It's not about it's not about choice. It's 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 just it's this proclamation. You declare, and as you declare, it's up to you whether you receive it or not. And so look, I'm not trying to persuade you. Have you ever seen me try to appeal to you? No. I do not persuade you. I'm not trying to persuade you. That's that's what this is, is, is proclamation. And so God sent Haggai and he sent him as what? As a messenger because this messenger has the word of God. And, and so this word of God means that they need to receive this word. If they do not receive this word, they will what? They will die. And so they need to receive this word. And yet, the amazing thing is, is that when they receive it, God unfolds their lives. Amen? And so let's continue. And so the word of God... And so they acknowledged Haggai as being sent by God. And so what does Haggai proclaim? He proclaims, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the most 
powerful good news is. What is this? That in the midst of all these circumstances, all this hardship, Israel may be considered, well, how can we build this temple? We have no money. We have nothing. And, and God could say that I'll give you the money. I'll give you the funds. And that, 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 that's what I would like to hear, right? But right, I would like to hear God say, here's the, here's the money, right? Right, right, right. That that would be that would be that would be best, right? Wouldn't wouldn't it? And yet, in all of this, look. When I went to Costa Rica, did I take my refrigerator, my bed, my my house with me on my back? No. What did I take? All I took was one credit card. Right. It's the same thing. In all of the circumstances, what is the solution to all the circumstances? Is God, right? God. And so this is the most real and most most practical method. And Zechariah 3, 6 also says the same thing. That you cannot build this temple out of your strength, but out of what? Out of the Spirit of God. So really, out of our strength, what can we do? What can we accomplish? What can I do? I cannot do out of my own strength, right? But we have the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. Amen. So if the Holy Spirit does, then all things are possible. Amen. So I am with you, declares the Lord. So this proclamation isn't a simple declaration. No, it's really important. It's the essence of all things, right? That's the, th that's the source of problems of our life is that He is not with us, but I try to solve the issues by myself. If He is with us, then we have the keys to everything, right? And so that is, the, that is the fundamental thing, everything. And so let's continue. Verse 14, 15. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And so look. So the word of God started with Haggai, and it goes to who? It goes to Zerubbabel, Haggai, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and then the people. And so it moves in this orderly fashion. It's the same thing in the church. It starts with Jesus Christ, who's the head of the church, and it moves to the body, of uh, which, which is the church, through who? Through the Holy Spirit, right? And so it moves in this order. And so the church moves according to this order, this hierarchy, and... So whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see that God is moving in according to the same principles. And so, so church doesn't move on the principles of humanism. No, it moves on the principle of God, right? And so it's about God. Right? Because God can move in ways that transcends the imagination of the human soul, right? And so God always moves in that way. And so he moves according to this order. And so it needs to go top down. And then so it says, it says so that he moved the spirit, right? He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. This is really important for us to understand. And so because they received the word of God, what starts to move inside of them? What is stirred up? Because they received the word in faith, what is stirred up? Their spirit is stirred up. This is really important. And so... And so what does this mean? This talks that, that the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the Word, the fullness of Jesus are all connected. And so the moment they received the Word in faith, their spirit was stirred up inside of them. And as their spirit was stirred up inside of them, they moved together as one. They moved up together. One spirit, one mind, one purpose, one love. This is finally being embodied as, as Paul has, has emphasized. 
And so, when we do not receive the word in faith, it means that we are rejecting the Spirit of God. And because we are rejecting the Spirit of God, we are rejecting the Word of God. If you are filled with the Word, you are filled with Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit. It is all one. And so... And so again, that's what we're seeing here. Their spirit was stirred up together, and so they moved as one. And so, uh, what we can can we see here? And this and and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So it means that they, it began, right? So because the word moves and the spirit of God moves inside of them, even though they had this impossible situation around them, they the work began. Why? Because God moved inside of them. Even for 16 years, they were unable to do anything because of their hardships and they were being lazy and procrastinating. And yet, because the word of God, they received it. It moved and they began. Even in through those circumstances and so why are we unable to do oh it's because I, I do not have intelligence I do not have education no no it's because I do not have the word of God and so that's why we are powerless if we have the word of God and we live by the spirit of God we cannot be powerless amen and so it's not because you do not have money it's not because you do not have connections no that's the world that is not us we live by the word of God as long as we have that word of promise we will live amen and so as long as we have the spirit of God we will live we cannot be powerless. And so the amazing thing is, is look in verse 15, on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month, uh, 24th day of the month in the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. And so in just 24 days, they began in just 24 days. Uh, can you believe that? The word of God is not rushed, but it is quick. Okay. The word of God you cannot rush it, but it is quick when the Holy Spirit moves. It's not fast, but it's quick. It's agile. And so, and so it's not by your, it's because you keep moving out of your own methods, out of your own ability. That's why you are powerless and it's so frustrating. But if you work by God, it just unfolds, unfolds. And so for these past 24 years, what have we been doing? Is it because are we are we printing the blueprint and, and doing that? Wait, sorry, one moment. Ah, uh, okay, not 24 years. These 24 days. Okay. Right? Even though this was a time of this feast and it was a time of the harvest, it was a time of great um, busyness, and yet they began the work. They began the work. Look at even during the time of Nehemiah, in 51 days, they built the walls. Why? Not because of their planning, not because of their efforts, no, but because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God unfold that. So it's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is moving. We need to live by the Spirit. So listen carefully. We do not need to be quick. We are fast. We do not need to be rushed. Right? Because we cannot be rushed. Because we're waiting for the will of God. Waiting for God to move. So we cannot be fast. And yet, if God... But when God determines, then there will be quickness. Right? Quickness. It will be fleeted. Fleet-footed. Because, because God is moving. 
And so this quickness comes out of what comes out of God's determination. And so, for example, like with with, I was praying for what what to what to preach during the Young Adult Conference, and right as I opened up to God, God gave me the the title, which was to, to prepare the Exodus of the world. And so, if I need to prepare the Exodus of the world, then I need to look at Exodus. And so, the moment I opened to the Book of Exodus, God already gave me the text, and through the text already in ten minutes, the 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 sermon was already determined. And so, and so uh, here in today's passage and we'll see tomorrow the coming of the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken that's glory right that's the glory that we need to see and so let us pray let us pray today amen and pray in preparation for this word pray in preparation for the riches of God to unfurl upon us and that the anointing of the Sabbath of faith would come upon us at this time So brothers, uh, really, as God is proclaiming this, this construction, uh, I see glory moving, glory moving. And so, and so really, uh, how, how glorious is that, that God has chosen us to build up this headquarters for the remnant of the Gentiles. And so really... Let us receive this glory and be able to pray, pray in faith. And so listen to today's sermon carefully, that, that we need to have this passion for God's temple, passion for the word of God. That, that's what's important, right? And so are you receiving today's word in faith? Okay, let's open our hearts and receive the word in faith that through Yerbang Church, that what God is going to do through us, really, He's going to uh, manifest us uh, in this world. And up until this point, we've been preparing for this time. God has been uh, investing in us up until this point. And so now, now it's time to receive those dividends. And so, God, we are proclaiming the word of Haggai. And may the glory of your kingdom move through us. Give us great faith. Give us pure faith. Give us clean faith. That we would be a church that can enter into the Sabbath rest of faith. That, Lord, as your servant lays his hands upon your people, may you pour out your faith upon them. That they would build the temple. Amen, amen. And so all we need is faith. We don't need anything else. All we need is faith, amen? And so as it says in 1 John 5, what does it say? That this is what overcomes the world. This is our victory, which is what? Our faith, our faith. As long as we have victory, uh, faith, we have victory. And so as you lived with me, 
what you understand is that we begin with victory, right? We begin with victory. It's not that we believe we will have the victory. No, we begin with victory. Do not doubt that victory for even a moment. And that's where confidence comes out for. And so no matter what happens, we can always have that confidence because we know we have that victory. Shall I fear the devil? Shall I fear the world? Shall I fear the circumstances around me? No, no, not even once, not even once. Why? Because I've never doubted for the fact that I am victorious. And so in South America, I didn't get the victory as I went there. No, I went there with this victory. And so all these other conferences, everything in our lives, I know that I am victorious. And so have that faith, have that faith. This faith is your victory. This faith is your victory. Give a shout of victory to God. Shout of victory. Oh, oh, oh. Hallelujah. Do you believe you are victorious? Do not be shaken in this fact once forever. Okay. Okay. That God has confirmed this victory to us. Amen. And it is through the word. Amen. And so... And so let's believe in this amazing victory and give a shout of victory. Go! we as individuals are victorious but we are also victorious as a church amen and so hold the hands with the person next to you and we can you not hear me okay so we are victorious as a church and so hold the hands with the person next to you and so as one community lord may we have that victory and so pray all together Okay, keep holding hands, keep holding hands. And Lord, for the past 24 years, finally now, Lord, we proclaim the construction of the building. Pour out all your blessing upon the community. May your glorious riches and abundance once again unfold. Let us pray all together. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you.
that the prayer of your victorious beings that you will answer their prayers. And so in 24 years, finally, we proclaim the word of Haggai and proclaim your construction. And so, Lord, Lord, it is not for us, but for the Gentiles. And so, Lord, confirm uh, this through these lips and give us more than we ask for. Fill us for all our needs. And that, Lord, that we would not drag this time, but that that in two years, that, that your plan would unfold in a place where all the Gentiles can gather. That, as Haggai says, that the most important thing for us is faith. And so, Lord, prepare the scale of faith inside of us, and that in faith we can overcome all challenges. And so, Lord, everywhere we go, we have seen your glory. And now, Lord, may that glory rest upon this peninsula, and that that the remnant would be gathered and that we would have the riches to be able to provide for the remnant here. And once again, bless the, the, the companies of this church. Pour out your riches and your abundance. Lord, we lift up today's offering. May it be a pleasing aroma to you that as we once again acknowledge that the world is not what will determine our, our survival, will not determine our happiness, but only your faith, only you can fill us. And so, Lord, may that faith fill us up at this time, this powerful faith that we can live whether we have or we do not have. But, and yet at the same time, Lord, for your church, for your nation, for your kingdom. May these riches continually unfold. Yes, Lord, bless them, bless them, and bless them more, that this word would come upon them, Lord. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, fulfilling, comforting work of the Holy Spirit upon the saints who determined to live by faith alone, upon their inheritance, upon their family, upon their businesses and inheritance upon the missions all over the world and upon the church and Zoe ministry. May this blessing rest now and forevermore.